You're listening to the Amplify podcast with Dan R. Morris and Rachel Martin, brought to you by Blogging Concentrated. What do Gangnam Style, Ice Bucket, Jimmy Fallon, and Where's the Beef have in common? Hey, baby, keep calm and blog on. All these social media headlines next on the Amplify podcast, Newmar episode, Shakti Zetchichich. Dan, are you shivering right now? I am not shivering, but it is the beginning of the down. Okay, because I can hear like cold happening in your voice right now as we're talking. I think it's possible that man gets frostbite while podcasting could go viral. It could go viral. Like, did you notice, like I said, the exponential increase of your chilliness? Like something like a viral post? You know, the interesting thing about that concept, man gets frostbite from podcasting is that it would not go viral on Pinterest, I don't think, but maybe on something like Huffington Post or Reddit, you know, or something like that. But I, but not all things go viral everywhere. No, I, each platform has a different type of uh, content that goes viral. And I think that's the most interesting part of viral. Anything that goes viral is understanding even in your headline what platform you're intending for hoping for that traffic to come from. And if it was on YouTube, I'm pretty sure I'd need to have lost limbs and gotten like hospital footage of the losing of the limbs. Yes, you'd need to have a dash cam of you in the in the car right now and then uh, the losing of the limbs and then some, some lights as you're being transported and then the selfie with the selfie stick as they're gradually and trying to help you regain feeling to those toes. Time-lapse photography of my nose going black. That's what it would require. Oh, gross. That is just <laughs> that is that is too much information for Amplify listeners. Do I have to no do I have to change to the rating now? <laughs> yes. Now now is it now what is I don't even know how they do the ratings uh, it, I guess. We, but yes. We rate so our let's own talk podcast. About viral posts. We do. We rate this one as awesome. So let let's talk the entire time about virulosity. I just I love that. You know, because we do these handbook handbook podcasts and this is totally one about the viral aspect of posts because on our forum, Free Weekly Mastermind, this is a question that we get weekly. Oh, uh, we just got it today. We got it yesterday. People are always yes. asking, What do you do when your post goes viral? So today we decided let's talk about that and maybe we'll even expand it to what do you do if your YouTube video goes viral? What do you do if your pin goes viral? What do you do if you have a cold? Well, if you have a cold, the first thing that you need to do is take some NyQuil and go back to bed but and have some good chicken noodle soup. Okay, subject one but is complete. Let's, done. So let's talk about the viral, though, because I think that you make a good point here. Actually, I know you do because it is a little bit different strategy for all of them, with whether it's uh, your post or YouTube or the pin. All right, so tell me, guru of viralness. What do you do when a post on Finding Joy begins to get some traction, which is pretty much every post? Well, <laughs> well, you're very kind. Well, what's interesting about a viral post is if I write new content, I can pretty much tell within the first hour if it has that potential to go viral because the initial shares, uh, because where a lot of the Finding Joy traffic goes, um, comes from what the viral post is initially Facebook. And I can tell very, very quickly if it's going viral. And if I notice that that's happening, 
the first thing I do, which you're probably going to start feeling the like hairs standing up on the back of your neck, is I open up real time and analytics so that I know that the site is stable the entire time. Okay, so that's I know that's sorry. so that's like the risk side. Sorry. It is the risk side, but but it is. But I also clearly make a call to action at the end of every single post. So because I recognize that all of a sudden there's going to be a flood of traffic coming into the site. And I have this opportunity to take kind of the shopper person and make them a reader. So call to action. I feel like that is as vague as people telling you to be authentic. What is it? What does that mean? <laughs> it is vague. What does that mean for you? To have a call to action. This is like an interview. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yes, Dan. Are you interviewing me today? Uh, what does it mean to for me to have a call to action? Would specifically mean I want the people that are reading this post to do uh, do something specifically at the end of the post. So a lot of times, if I'm working on building an email list, I will create an an opt in opportunity, not just having the opt in box there. But like compelling reasons why joining my email list will further enhance whatever they read about in the post. Or if it's about wanting to grow my Facebook page, it would be for more encouragement and to join a community of moms that understand whatever we were talking about, click below. And I'll have the um, Facebook like box widget embedded as part of the post. Can I just totally change the subject? Yes. All right. I want to talk about Phoenix. You up for that? Okay. I Yes. I learned something while living in Phoenix about life in general. And and I'm going to apply this to back to what you were talking about. So, okay, cuz I'm waiting. Are you just cold and you need to think of Phoenix when you're away too no, hot? No, I I'm, I'm told what you said inspired this next thought. Okay. No. Oh, I inspired you. No, if you if you grow up, you know, I lived in what 17 states and it wasn't until I turned 27 that I moved to the desert. Now, I'd never lived in the desert before, and I didn't really know what it was like to live in the desert. I didn't have, really have any idea. So one of the first things that I noticed living in the desert of Phoenix is that many people have rock lawns, like rocks. That's Ah, uh, your rock lawn story, the yes. Rock lawn, that's just it. They're just rocks. And, Which you showed me when we went to Phoenix. Yes. And I, I will tell you that um, that it's hard for a Midwesterner, which I was at the time, having moved from Illinois at the time to Phoenix, to get used to the idea that there could be anything interesting or beautiful about rocks. I mean, and we're talking about, like, somebody dumped off some rocks in a front yard. Like, total ridiculousness. We like to call that gravel yeah, up that. here in the Midwest. So I learned while I was there that there are some rock lawns that look good. And I began to understand the difference between a manicured rock lawn and a non-manicured rock lawn. And for some people who had um, rocks, they they would actually – just like you do – you see the the old guys with the black socks in the Midwest – you know, on their hands and knees, picking out dandelion weeds to make sure they have a perfect lawn. There were people who would make sure that they didn't get a dark rock on the light side of their yard. And then they would use a different style rock to make borders, like river rock, something larger. And then they would have a different style, perhaps, around the cactuses. 
But no matter what it was, I knew a Rockalon looked good when I could tell that the owner was doing something on purpose. So sometimes I... Oh, that, yes. that's good. So sometimes I, I will good. look in a gardening magazine and I'll see somebody's got a garden that's full of like these wild grasses. And it's featured in the magazine because, because it's beautiful. But, you know, as a layperson, I look at it and I go, wow, that's just a bunch of big bushes. But if you look closely, you can tell that the difference between bushes on the side of the road and a wild grass garden is that a lot of it is done on purpose. Plants are put in a specific place. Borders are put in a specific place. A specific kind of gravel, you know, that, that complements the colors of the garden. But whatever it is, what I learned in Phoenix was you can tell beauty when you can see that there is something done on purpose. So coming back to this blog post and what you just said, I think that a lot of bloggers have a related post plugin that's got six to eight different images of related posts. And then they have um, underneath that, it might be, here's the category that this blog post was in and here's all the ways it was tagged. And then below that might be an advertisement. Um, so at the end of the post, yeah. there are 15, 18, 20 different things that your audience could click, not to mention the sidebar or anything else. And compare, well, comparing yeah, that to you, ahead. there is nothing purposeful about that. And I, I think that when you talk about a call to action, there needs to be something behind it that, that means something that your audience can clearly see. As you can clearly see in Phoenix, when you finally figure out the difference between some gravel and somebody who's really spent some time. Well, I think that is exactly right because there's something that a lot of times we'll read like, I want to become more efficient. I want to become more efficient. And then everyone opts like, I'm going to do that plugin. I'm going to do the related posts. I'm going to do the email opt-in and all of that. But we're missing this huge critical moment of what do we do with that post? Where do we want them to go next? And why is this post structured in the way it was? And I really consider you know, the time spent writing the post, and if you were to take a pie chart of all the actions, the end of the post and figuring out what I want and how I want to move people and all of that next probably is a good quarter of the time. There's some strategy and thinking there that, because otherwise you're, you're just saying, hey, come read this and I hope that you stay, but hopefully you click the right thing. And a lot of times that's it. They're gone. They are. And, you know, I heard this term from Lynn Terry from Click News, she, when she came to Blogging Concentrated Atlanta, she used this phrase, next best click. So whenever you write a blog That's post, a great phrase. what, and you read it, what is the next best click your audience is going to take? And if there isn't one that's clear, then the back button might just be the next best click. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Actually, when you were talking about that, I was thinking about it as a viral post is building because there's definitely phases in a viral post lifespan. Uh, typically within two to three days is the initial peak and then it will lull for two to three days and then it will peak again. 
But one of the things that I've noticed is if a post is building and I want to sustain that and have that viral, viral element to it, my next best click at that point is share or like. It is not about list building. It's not about anything else at that point. It's because I want to add that kind of, you know, like the starter fluid to the charcoal at that moment. And I know for a day or two, I'm going to do that um, just to get it to get to that next place and that next level of traffic. Now, I'm a huge fan of and now this is every post because I want you to be fully prepared for when a post goes viral. And that is to consider what is the next best thing that you could give your audience, whether it is a related post or um, an ebook or your your opt-in to your email, what is going to make them a better human being? And then compare that to where do you make money? So if you can find in your business a page that makes a lot of money on AdSense, a page that sells your ebook, you know, something in there that actually drives your business. If you can find the overlap between what's really going to serve them and what builds your business, I want that to be the call to action. That's a perfect call to action. You've re- you've seen the end of all the posts that I do, and you know that that is the strategy. They are there. I'll tell you as soon as a post goes viral, I'll say, "Hey, we're selling the ebook again," and it's because that is typically the call to action, the next best click, the what I'm wanting to get into the reader's hands at that moment. Now, I will say, um, you need to pay some attention to why it's going viral, um, because mm-hmm. if a post is going viral because a pin went viral then I think you have to take into consideration the culture of Pinterest when you figure out your call to action because Pinterest is click, pin, click, pin, click, pin. And then when they go to an article that's wordy and they're just they're in this frame of mind that's all about cool image, cool image, I'll pin that, I'll pin that, this is cool. I want your call to action to follow that and to make sure that you give them an image that's clickable, that looks fun, that looks awesome, that will take them to the thing that's going to make them better, even if that's your uh, opt-in to my newsletter landing page. But I don't want you to forget that there is a culture that's coming to your site, and if you don't reflect that, you might just they just might hit the back button. Yeah, that's a really good point, especially with Pinterest, is if you have that viral post, creating the image to go along with it or whatever you have that makes people actually not just pin it to the board but to want to do that extra step and open it up and read it because then you you really have someone that's engaged at that point because like you said they were just doing the click pin click pin click pin and as soon as they're on your site that's a different type of reader that uh you can like you were saying direct in the way that they need to go yeah if if you find yourself in a situation where a blog post just went viral and you think that it's got some life to it I would consider sacrificing whatever income you're making in the sidebar for removing the sidebar from that post without doing anything else and changing the call to action so that audience really only has one place to go, and that's where you want them to go. Your opt-in, your highest-paying AdSense page, whatever it is, take away the choices and give them a funnel to follow. I think I'm going to change a couple posts. That's a, an excellent idea. I love that. And you've given me other suggestions, too, that I think are great because we're talking a little bit, too, potentially about what happens if the video goes viral is for several of the posts that I have that have gone really crazy viral, 
you encouraged me to make a video to go along with those, and those are my top-ranked videos now on YouTube. Well, one thing about the video is that um, you can then also embed it into your site, and you can ask them uh, to go subscribe also to your YouTube channel because that can certainly be a source of income for you if you get more than 1,000 subscribers. Yeah, I took the uh, Why Being a Mom is Enough YouTube video and embedded it at the bottom of that post. And anytime, because that uh, post of mine will, it'll go viral and have pretty intense traffic spikes, um, I would say every quarter or something like that, for sure. And anytime that happens, the YouTube subscribers instantly go up. You know, sometimes when a, when one of your posts go, goes viral, you will send me an email that says, hey, I just, uh, this post just went viral and I added a call to action to buy the ebook to the bottom and then we start seeing ebook sales. So don't forget yes. that either. No, and one of the things that we're putting in BC Prime is I have a pretty good tracking system of what uh where the next best, best click where that call to action is at the end of every post because you know, I have some posts that are viral that went viral that link to posts that are time sensitive. So I want to make sure I'm always aware of that like if this post happens to peak again, what is the call to action? Do I need to update it? I think that the the idea – and nobody does this. I don't do it. I don't do the tracking thing that you do. Um, I think it's fantastic. I'm looking forward to seeing that in BC Prime, just how how to keep track of that I, I think would be invaluable because sometimes a viral post like stays dormant for a year and then it goes viral again. So it's good to know like what well, where really was cool it going? Well, yeah, what's interesting about that is once you can identify, because as you, you know, I went through the top 200 posts and I, I identified the comments, I mean, the likes, uh, the, actually the page views on it, and then I compared it to the number of Facebook likes and really started to mull over the strategy between that. But one of the interesting ways to kind of reinvigorate a, a post that has that viral potential, especially on Facebook and even Pinterest, is to change out the featured image. So the Why Being a Mom is Enough one. I have used four featured images on it, and each time it's switched, it gives a surge in traffic. Nice. You know, some people don't that's realize awesome. this, but you can actually upload an image to Pinterest that's not on your page. You could upload 20 different images to Pinterest and all and point them all back to one blog post and, fi and find out which one has the most – you know, the people like the most by seeing which one gets pinned the most or repinned the most. And then replace that one on your site so that you have a better chance of people pinning it. Yeah, that's – that's. I, I think test, test, test and figure out what works. And I, I don't know if we mentioned this or not because one of the questions that we get on Freakly Mastermind a lot is uh, they ask us to look at the end of the post, of their viral post. And so often there's like – too many choices for the readers to do, too many calls to action, too many things like subscribe here, go to my Facebook page, buy the book, click on these ads, all of that. And I think that when people look at it and there's like that element of overwhelm, they choose to not do anything. So be really, really uh, concise and choose the best thing. And it doesn't even need to stay for long. I mean, you can test it out for a day or and then move it to the next day. Or if it's super viral, test it out for six hours and see what happens. Go back to the rock garden. Purposeful is beautiful. Purposeful is beautiful. It's like a shirt. It is. All right. Well, that's all we have time yes. for today on the Amplify podcast. We're looking for your ideas and suggestions at sending them to us on Twitter at Amplify Podcast. 
Otherwise, when you have some time, stop by AmplifyPodcast.com where we include all of the links to today's show notes and, and yesterday's and the day before's, including uh, profiles of all of our Oars of the Rising Tide bloggers, podcasters, and vloggers. And until next time, we look forward to helping you figure out what's next. Now turn on your heat.